Yeah, right. Okay, so um, we're all muted. So this is uh, welcome to our service this morning, um, which is today being led by Ron. Um, just the usual reminders. So if you could keep yourself muted during the service, except at the end when you can unmute yourself to join in the grace. Um, if you have any prayers or messages um, that you want to send during the service, then please just use the chat function. Um, a reminder that tonight is our Carols by Candlelight service. So obviously I'd encourage you to attend and um, tell your friends about it. The link for the um, Zoom service is just the same as the normal uh, Sunday morning service. So if you can just use that, um, yeah, publicize it as much as you can. That'd be great. Um, the prayer room today is being manned by Pam and Brian. So uh, that will be open at the end of the service. I think that's the end of the notices. So over to you, Ron. Thanks, Tim. The calls to worship today was in Psalm 89. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your line forever. Make your throne firm through all generations. Welcome, everybody. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks and praise that you are with us forever. That you are with us before we were born. And that you are with us all through our life and beyond. In this hope, we live, we smile, we cry. And we rejoice in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. I think it's time for the uh, Advent candle. So over to Pam. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Jesus is coming and we are preparing to welcome him again into the world and into our lives. We light the Advent candles to celebrate the gifts we are given and to name the gifts we can offer to others. Last Sunday, we lit the candle of joy. We light it and the candles of hope and peace again in gratitude.
God's faithfulness as firm as the heavens. The the gospel describes God's love. It blesses us. It is merciful, strong and protective. The fourth candle of Advent is the candle of love. Jesus shows us God's perfect love. Just as a candle shines a welcome in a window, so God's love invites and welcomes us home. Just as the glow of birthday candles reflects love and celebration, God's gift of Jesus reflects the greatest love for us. Love is also a gift we give to others. Through the example of God's perfect love, we offer love to others that is patient, kind, respectful and enduring. Through the work of the church, we seek to love and serve others around the world. Let's pray together. Loving God, we thank you for your gift of love shown to us perfectly in Jesus. You have given us so much. Help us to give even a little to those who need our gifts. Help us today and every day to be grateful, to hear your word and to do your will by sharing joy with others. We ask it in the name of the one born for us. Amen. And now can we go to uh, Malcolm and Laurie for the Lord's Prayer. Our Father Father in heaven, heaven, hallowed be your your name. Your Your kingdom kingdom come. come. Your Your will will be done on on earth earth as in heaven. heaven. Give Give us today our our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive forgive those who sin against us. Lead us us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, yours, now and forever. forever. Amen. Amen. Right, now it's uh, birthday time. So I'm handing it over to Tim Skinner. Right, okay. Well, I know of two uh, that's uh, coming up in this week. So Jesus, number one, and uh, Colin, number two. Sorry, you're number two. Yeah. Is there anybody else? Joan. Joan. Uh, Joan, is that Joan? Or is it Roland? Joan. Joan. Very good. <laughs> And any others? Okay, so I'm doing that order. Jesus, Colin and Joe. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Jesus and Colin and Joe. Happy birthday to you. Right, so um, thanks for that, Tim. Singing perfectly well again. Beautiful. Or was it Anne? I think it must have been Anne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about papyrus. 
And um, then we show video. Papyrus is one of the charities that we are supporting this year in the church for Christmas. And um, it's a national organisation which started in the Northwest. In fact, started not far from here. The um, started in 1997. So charity set up specifically um, for the prevention of young persons suicide, and it was set up by a mother of someone who who took their life. I meant the original people behind it. I've all got that same link. It's vision. It's to help people speak openly about suicide. And the shocking things I've read, in particular, is that suicide is the biggest cause of death for people under the age of 35. That's shocking. But it's real. Um, the purpose's approach is to help people in the communities and help young people and train young people. It isn't just it's a, it provides an upline, which is called Upline uh, UK, which is a nationwide upline. And it's um, also uh, runs training courses for young people and communities so they can perhaps identify and be able to support people who are in this situation. It's a great cause. And um, they've got us a video for us, which will be shown in a few minutes. And uh, is it possible for us to run the video now? Papyrus Prevention of Young Suicide is a national charity founded by parents for whom the death of one of their children by suicide suddenly became a reality. We believe that suicide being the leading cause of death then and still sadly now is a national scandal, but one that we can tackle and change. Our mission is to reduce the number of young people taking their own lives. We do this in three ways. We equip, we support and we influence. The main way we support people is through our suicide prevention helpline, Hopeline UK. This is a free and confidential phone, text and email service that provides support to those struggling with thoughts of suicide as well as concerned others. If you or anyone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide, please call Hopeline UK on 0800 068 4141. Our advisors will give you advice on coping with thoughts of suicide, as well as how to start a conversation with a young person. We also work to equip communities with the skills needed to support young people who are struggling with thoughts of suicide. And we do this through our training products. So we have currently have three different trainings um, which encourage people to speak openly, safely and sensitively about suicide. 
and offer guidance on how we can provide that support for young people and keep them safe for now. We press for changes in hard-hitting campaigns and present evidence to those in power to create a learning and implement those learnings to help save more young lives. Papyrus is passionate about saving young lives in all of these ways. But saving lives is a community-wide effort where everyone has a part to play. As our founder, Jean Kerr, said, often the first step is the hardest to take, and all of us today have had the courage to take such a step, to move forward from our individual tragedies and work together to bring something positive from them. Together, we can create a suicide-safe community and bring a hope to those who need it the most. Thanks, Leif. Much appreciated. Yeah, um, we now have a song. Oh, I just by the way, I did notice on that video, on the training course, someone's back of the head was there. That was mine, I think. One <laughs> of the training courses there. <laughs> All right, so we now have a song. Never runs out on me Your love never 
Luke 1, verses 26 to 38, the birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give for him the throne of the father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. The second reading is Luke 1, verses 46 to 55, Mary's song. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him, from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors. Amen. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Pam, for those readings. Um, they're both very familiar readings to some year. Um, they talk about what happens few days, a few weeks before Jesus was born. 40 weeks, there thereabouts. So we went to full term. And um, it's, uh, the first one talks about the appearance of the angel Gabriel with his great news to the young Mary. News that may well have been somewhat troubling to a young girl whose place to be married. I want to pick up on 
the response from Mary when she first heard about when she when Gabriel says, "Greetings, you are highly favoured. The Lord is with you." In 20, from twenty nine to thirty three, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting that might be. The angel said to her, "Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High." The Lord God will give him the throne of his fathers, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. The kingdom will have no end. Now, I reckon she'd been pretty well surprised by that. I've seen an angel in the first place, and having that kind of thing mentioned to her straight away would have shocked her somewhat. Pretty certain of that. The word I'm looking for in this one and links in was that Gabriel said he'll be great and will be called the son of the most high. The son of the most high. Isaiah something like 800 years before that made a reference to his coming servant. And the reference itself is referred to in Matthew's Gospel 12, 15 to 21. As a fulfillment of that prophecy, 800 years previous to this. Isaiah says, Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to nations. He will not quarrel or cry out, nor will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smouldering wick he will not stuff out. He has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. In his name, the nations will put their hope. Shortly after uh, Mary, as his verse from Gabriel, we are told pretty quickly, it actually refers to the gospel as being in uh, this one, Luke 1, 13 to 45. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the old country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. She got off pretty sharpish. She was told she was going to have a baby. She said, and she says, May your will be fulfilled. I'm the Lord's servant. So she knew it was coming. But she made pretty sharpish because Gabriel had mentioned that Elizabeth, who think it was probably her auntie, had um, also become pregnant. So she wanted to go and make sure. So she rushes off. This young lass just found out she's going to be pregnant. Makes way up to see Auntie. And the passage we see there, 
when Elizabeth hears of Mary's greetings, the baby leaps in her womb. And loud voice Elizabeth says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is your child you bear. The first thing Mary hears, Elizabeth, well, in fact, is welcome, is that you're blessed. It reinforces things with Mary. That she's no, she's strengthened by it. And that brings us to a second reading. The great song of Mary. Now, that song itself, just remember it and reinforces Gabriel's words those days earlier when she went to see Auntie. What we there now? I'm going to fast forward 30 years. I'm going to fast forward 30 years. And uh, I'm going to focus on that on, as I read it. Matthew talks about Jesus being the hope of nations. And I say, this was 800 years before Jesus' birth. By nations, we're not talking about nation states. We're talking about nations' populations. Jesus is the hope of all nations. Hope is this year's central theme for our Christmas service. It was no surprise. When we looked at what was going to, at the planning meeting, what was going to be a theme, virtually everybody says, we have hope. Hope is the theme. Hope isn't something... Uh, we can't have too much of. But we can have too little. This morning, when I went to the conservatory, I'm actually speaking now from the lounge because this morning it was pouring down. And the conservatory sounds like a drum. But <laughs> it's pouring down. So, um, but I nipped into the conservatory to try to put the eating on because it's also on fridge. It's the best place to store beer. We can find. <laughs> and we went to the conservatory and it was raining. And I looked over. For some reason, over to the direction of the church. And it's a rainbow. Over to the rainbow of the church. Over to the church. And I thought, well, yeah, I know you with us. Well, thank you so much for reminding me. And we've seen we've seen rainbows everywhere this year. There's one thing we've seen a lot of is rainbows. It's been people's windows, it's been people's garages, it's been walls, it's been everything. Reminding us, not just to give thanks to the NHS, but reminding us as Christians, just who's in charge? And who's going to take us through this? I was just godsmacked. I was just godsmacked, actually, this morning by seeing this rainbow on the church, whereabouts it was. I'm sure there's gold there as well, but we'll have to go looking for it later. 
Opposite something to be ordered is something we have to share. Everyone needs hope. Whilst planning this talk, I've been thinking about people in a society, well, people in a society where where hope may be in short supply, and there's going to be quite a short supply of hope in a few pieces. We found out yesterday about the uh, further restrictions in the southeast, and that's going to affect all this for our one day, Christmas Day. It's going to affect us all. Oh, we'll be in short supply. The needs for charities like Papyrus and many others in our community can't be overstressed as well. Lack of hope is something that forms a fair part of every mental health course. Mental health first aid course, I've ran over the year. And I, believe me, I've ran quite a few distance learning mental health courses. It is a mental health itself, mental health first aid in itself is a relative new subject. New concept. And I wanted to, I was led towards this. And uh, even for my talk, the central core of, it, of mental health, first aid, is uh, non judgmental listening, talking, and signposting. And it got me thinking about Jesus' approach to healing, which led me to troll, and I mean troll, through dozens of healing miracles to see how he talked with the people he healed. I focused on three different types of healing. Probably the largest group of which was when somebody approached him for help. A great example of this is my first one. It's from Matthew 20... 29.34, and this one is two blind men may receive, receive insight. I'll read the passage. As Jesus and disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted out louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them, What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, We want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed it. One thing I love about that one, as a mental health first aider, is his very... Open question. You thought my statement the obvious. He asked them, what do you want me to do for you? They're two blind men. What do you think you want to do for them? But he asked them the question. Because he wants to engage. He wants them. So that's a good thing. That non-judgmental listening skills and talking skills is brilliant stuff. Well done, Jesus. Tick box. The next one I picked up on was 
Uh, another group, when he, started, when he started the conversation. And this one was a miracle I've forgotten all about. Though I don't know why. It's in Luke's Gospel. It's when Jesus raises a widow's son. Soon afterwards, that's what it was before, this is Luke 7, 11 to 17. Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of a mother, as she was a widow. And they carried out on a buyer, which is like basically a stretcher, covered stretcher. A large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, he went out to her and he said, don't cry. Then he went up to up and touched the by they were carrying him on. And the bearer stood still and he said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. On that one, no one came asking Jesus for help. Jesus started the conversation. Jesus walks up to the person and says not to cry. She might have thought, this is beyond help. My son is on a bier to be taken to be buried. With Jesus' compassion, he just steps in. On another occasion, which is one we both, many of us were familiar with, it's a combination. This is one with, uh, in Mark's Gospel when Jesus raises the dead girl and heals a sick woman. This is Jairus' daughter. Jairus approaches Jesus and says, Jesus, I need you to come. Come now, please. My daughter's dying. If you can come, you can heal her. My little daughter's dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she'll be healed and live. And Jesus is on his way there. And on his way there, a large crowd built around him. And what we know the story, a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. And yet, instead, getting better, she just got worse. And she thought, I'm just going to touch his cloak. If I touch his cloak, I'm going to be healed. Just going to touch his cloak. Can you imagine the mental health issues this woman's had for 12 years living? That's just the physical side of it. In that culture, she was unclean for 12 years. She'd be sorted out like this. She touches his cloak and it stops. At that point, Jesus looks around. He knows that he's been touched. His cloak's have been touched. He knows even it's taking place. And he just says, who's touched my clothes? And his disciples are saying, there's thousands there. It can be anybody. He says, no. Looks around and sees the woman. And he says to them, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free of your suffering. He doesn't even speak to her initially. Just his very presence does it. Everything I say of him, he takes off every mental health first aid 
Let's say this book. He has non-judgmental communication skills. Tick. He's supportive to the nth degree. Tick. He's always caring. Tick. He's always ready to arrange another meeting. Tick. It got the extra mile for you. Tick. It makes sure whatever's causing your problems, it can do its best to sort out. Tick. Brilliant. Brilliant type thing. But then, he is the wonderful counsellor. As well as mighty God, everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And he loves us much more than we can ever imagine. Amen. Uh, can we go to the um, next song, please?
Now, Steve, um, if you can give us your uh, your prayers, please. Thanks, Ron. Let's pray together. Father, it's Christmas this week. A time of celebration, a time of joy. Always for some, a time of loneliness and a time of sadness. Um, and Father, we pray for your comfort and your peace and your healing for those people who maybe feel like that. And this year, Father, we we know that's going to extend to many, many, many more people than usual. Um, we know that with the announcements that are this week from the government that those of us who were hoping to spend time with family who perhaps live a distance away now won't have that opportunity. And um, Father, we just ask that you're with us all. Um, it is a challenging time. It's a difficult time. And these feelings of loneliness, Father, they're coupled with fear, fear of this virus, fear of how it's spreading, fear of the new strains, Father, we continue to ask for your healing. We continue to ask for healing for people that we know. And Father, we're just going to pause for a minute now so that each of us can tell you of all of the people that we're worrying about and, and on our hearts this at this time especially. Father, we pray for the doctors and the nurses and all of the other key workers who who won't even have that Christmas Day opportunity because they're working. Because they're working to lives or they're working to keep people fed or keep people safe or warm. And Father, we just pray for them. Father, we pray for all of those people who have lost their jobs who are worried about losing their jobs because of because of covid or because of brexit that's coming and causing uncertainty and difficulties and challenges for some businesses father with all of this worry and with all of this fear and all of this difficulty we thank you. We thank you that you are there. We thank you that you are with us all. We thank you for the hope, the hope of the gospel, for the hope of Jesus, Jesus Emmanuel, Jesus with us. Not just 2,000 years ago, but now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, um, so if you would like to unmute yourselves, put yourself on gallery view, let's finish with the words of the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of our God, 